some of them we don't see much anymore. Because throughout, uh, listen to this word, this is the new political word that you have to listen to. They keep changing it so they can confuse people. The fight used to be Republican and Democrat, but that ain't the word no more. They changed it to liberal and conservative, but that ain't the word no more. You gotta now listen to progressive. See, progressive is, is those that group of people that want to keep on progressing in society. And, and I don't know about you, but I'm a firm believer in the earth is showing it that the more we progress in society, we're moving away from God. So I want to I encourage the progressive folk, keep on progressing. You're going to progress yourself right out of house and home. Hallelujah. Because we're going to progress ourselves right off this earth. And I continue to admonish parents that if you love your children, let's leave them somewhere clean and pure and holy to live. Amen. If we love our children, amen? Amen. But we're living in a society now, and if you really listen to the rhetoric that's going around about progressives, what I deduce out of it as a mature adult with my own thinking capabilities, I don't need CNN and Fox to tell me how to think. What I can deduce from my own thinking abilities is the progressives are progressing us away from God. Now, what I'm gonna challenge you to do individually is go look at what the progressive agenda is. I'm not gonna tell you, because I like for folks to study. I don't know how many of you were on the prayer line last night, but Reverend Harry Abrams gave a grand exhortation on uh, studying, studying, on reading, because he, and I always say, that too many Christians just know what they pastor know. Because you only know what the pastor says. But I admonish the folk here at Sabbath Rest as Paul admonished the Corinthians, be noble like the Bereans were. Go home and study everything that I say and see if it is true. And, 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 and I review the sermons when I finish. I review all my sermons and in the zeal of preaching, there are some things that I say is error. In the zeal of preaching, mm -hmm. in, in the emotion, being caught up in the emotion, sometimes I say <coughs> things that are not accurate. Mm -hmm. But I thank God that I have deacons here that will call me on the phone and say, Pastor, I got a theological question for you. <laughs> and he would challenge what I said, and it would have to uh, make me realize that in the zeal, it wasn't that I, I didn't know the information, in the zeal of preaching and being caught up in the emotion sometimes, I begin to say things out of its correct and proper order. And I try my best to come back and clean those things up, and I'm going to do that today uh, on a few things that I said last week. But I want us to understand that we're all here on this earth together, that black cannot do without white, white cannot do without black. Water cannot do without land. Land cannot do without water. Hallelujah. All of us need the sunshine to grow and be healthy. It's one of the only ways. There's only three ways that I know of that you can get vitamin D. And being in the sunshine is one of them. It helps our body to synthesize, synthesize vitamin D. So we need what God has placed on this earth. Somebody say, I need God. I need God. Because realizing that you need what God placed on this earth, you're admitting that you need God. So I would love to see an atheist hold his breath for 30 minutes. So you need God. You need that breath. You need that air. Hallelujah. Amen. So you can say you don't believe in God all you want. Quit breathing his air. <laughs> Hallelujah. You don't believe in God. 
Quit using all the stuff that he put here for us. And as we continue our study uh, this week, uh, we've been talking for the last few weeks about the family of God. The family of God. And in the family of God, we started off, of course, talking about the fall. <laughs> Hallelujah. One point I tried to drive home, and of course I got in trouble for it, because in this society, nobody's really concerned about the fall and what men have to say. Mm -hmm. And I feel, this is just my personal opinion and my personal feeling, nobody got to get ruffled up about it. This is how I feel. I feel that because men have been wrong in the past, and all the men say amen, amen. granddaddy and great-granddaddy them and daddy them left us a terrible legacy, amen, and, and before we learned, before we became saved, and we was just a regular old man living on earth, we was doing some of the same stuff daddy them was doing, yes. messing up our homes, amen. So we have to be able to take responsibility as those that God left in charge How many of you know that in that second or third commandment of God, it says that because God is a jealous God, that the sins of the fathers will be passed down to the third, fourth generation? Amen. And we're suffering for a lot of stuff that dad would do. Now, if, if a man hit a woman in this dispensation, he's going to jail. And, and, and I'm not saying, and, and they are right for it. They're right. If you, as a man, as a husband, as a grown man feel that you have the need to whip on any woman, you do need to go to jail. Actually, actually, before the cops come, I think her dad and her brother and her cousin should come whip you first. <laughs> Amen. And Amen. then let the cops drag you to jail for a little while, give you time to think, and let some of them jail men beat up on you for a while and abuse you, and that way you'll know that you can't go around just beating up on folks. Amen. Amen. But when we look at how God constructed the family, he created the man and he left the man in charge. Now that's the way God made it. Don't get mad at me. That's the way God made it. And I will reiterate that throughout time, men have messed that up. We did not lead our homes right. We, we did things that made our women and children not trust us, hallelujah, not believe in us. And here we are now in 20, uh, the precipice of 2021, and, and, and it's just a lack of respect for men in the society, and, and, and it, it's warranted. It's warranted. But I will say, sisters, I will say this, and children, if we want our societies to get back right, because you can't have it both ways, if we want our society, and what I'm asking each home to do, because that's, that's all you have, authority over your own home. I'm asking that each home would try to get their home back in line with the way that God created it to be. And that's the father is in control. Now the reason that I know I'm emphatically right about this is because God is the father and he's in control in heaven. Amen. God is not in heaven having debates. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. That's not, listen, I, I use this term when we talk talking about God the father. I said that we were baptized into a theocracy and not a democracy. See, when you're dealing with God, the theocracy, theos meaning God, ocracy, hallelujah, meaning government, when you're dealing with a theocracy, hallelujah, 
You're dealing with the way that God constructed things to be. But in America, one problem that we have with our Western free minds is we live in a democracy and the people get to vote and decide. Mm -hmm. But in the family of God, you don't get to vote and decide, honey. You get to say yes to God's will and to his way. Amen. And I thank God that he is so loving and kind that even when we say yes but we do know, he still has a word called repentance for us that we can, we can turn and come back to him. And he loves us with open arms. Hallelujah. Amen. So when we talked about God the Father, I want to reiterate a few things that we learned about God the Father. Take your notes out. If you didn't take notes the first time, I'm going to give you an opportunity to now. God the Father, in the family of God, we learned that God the Father was created. From Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning, God created. And it didn't say God and Adam. It didn't. God, God created this thing. Everybody say amen. Amen. So we learned that God was created. Then we learned uh, that God is also a provider. Yeah. By reading Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, you realize that God provided everything that we needed even before he made us. Because on day 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, God create, created everything that we need. Then on day 6, he created the man. Hallelujah. And then subsequently, he created the woman from the man. Amen. Anybody got a problem with that? That God took the woman out of man. Hallelujah. And then we realized that God is protector. Because we read the story about God. There's many, many stories, but I chose to use this one. That God uh, protected the people in the wilderness when they left Egypt. And what he did is he allowed a cloud to follow them by day because they were wandering in the Sinai Desert. That's the wilderness they were in. And then he allowed a pillar of fire to cover them by night so that they would not freeze and that they may have light. So we learned that God is creator. We learned that God is provider. We learned that God is protector. We also learned that God is healer because in Exodus 15, 26, he says, I am the God who heals you. And when we talk about healing, uh, there are physical modalities in our bodies, but I want you to understand that uh, we need more than physical body healing. Hallelujah. Some of us need psychological healing. Some of us need mental healing. Some of us need financial healing. Some of us need relationship healing. So God is a healer, and he's able to heal all those things that ail us. Hallelujah. And then, then we see that God said of himself in Exodus chapter 20, he says, I am a jealous God. God don't want us committing spiritual adultery. Well, what do you mean spiritual adultery, preacher? You got to be able to stick with God. You can't play around with God. And some of us uh, on earth, we like playing around, playing the field, they used to call it. Yeah. Amen. If, listen, this is the most important and primary thing that you must understand about God the Father is if you don't want him in first place in your life, you may as well put him out of your life because he will not take second, third, or fourth or uh, uh, sequential order. He will not take any other place but first. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And that's how God is. He says he's a jealous God. And this committing spiritual adultery when you put things in first place and try to give him second, third, fourth place. Amen. You can try, but he won't take it. Amen. Amen. If God ain't first, he ain't going like God. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, baby, when you break this thing, we give you time to matriculate things around in your life. Amen. Because when you're unsaved, you got some things that came before God. And he knows that. So the day you get saved, the day you accept him, he knows he ain't first then. But he expects you to go home and start matriculating things and moving things that are in first place, moving them out of first place so that he may take first place. 
Amen. Amen. That's Amen. God the Father. We also learn that God the Father is omniscient. He's that all-knowing. We learn that he's omnipresent, meaning that he's everywhere at all times. And he's omnipotent, meaning that he has all power. Hallelujah. Amen. That's God the Father. Then the next week we came along and we talked about God the Son. We talked about the family of God. So I want to be able to hit every entity. And somebody, somebody might be asking, well, where's the wife? You are the wife. Hmm. I'm going to talk about us a little later, amen? But just to stick on the son, we learned that the son now, the son of God, the Bible calls him the only begotten son, hallelujah. Amen, we learned in John 3.16 that God so loved the world. Amen, somebody, somebody say whosoever. Whosoever. I want you to know that includes everybody. You don't have to be Jewish. You don't have to be male. You don't have to be rich, hallelujah. He says whosoever will, let them come, hallelujah. We talked about in Jesus being here from the beginning. The son was with God from the beginning. And I did say at that time, I would refrain from calling him Jesus because he, he really didn't receive the name Jesus until he was born in the flesh. So in the Old Testament, in all his appearances, let's just call him the son of God at that point. Amen. 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 So in the son of God was with God in the beginning. We read in Genesis 1.26. Uh, that he said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And I have been taught through much study and from my senior, my, my father in Christ, I have been taught that that plural language was used because uh, God, the son, was with God the father throughout all times. We also learn uh, that Jesus has always been because in Genesis chapter 3, it talks about the punishment uh, to the servant. Uh, who represents the devil. He was not the devil. He represents the devil. And he told the serpent that uh, he will bruise your head, but he will also bruise his heel. But it was talking about Jesus whipping the devil. Hallelujah. So the Son of God uh, has been with God since the beginning. And then we talked about theophanies and how uh, there were appearances of God in the Old Testament, but those were not God the Father. Those were called theophanies. Those were called God the Son. And we used the example when... Uh, Moses wanted to see God, and he said, well, I'll hide you in the cliff of the rock, and when I pass by, that's a physical manifestation of God, but that wasn't God the Father, that was God the Son. We also see that in uh, Daniel, that Nebuchadnezzar had gone three men to the fiery furnace, and when he looked, he saw four, and Nebuchadnezzar even understood that the fourth one looked like the Son of Man. Hallelujah. And I'm still baffled and befuddled on how Nebuchadnezzar, a Babylonian king, knew what the Son of Man, knew, knew, knew what God would look like. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And then we understood that Jesus, we, we could find the Son of God even in the Old Testament tabernacle. And the tabernacle is that uh, mobile tent that God uh, told Moses to construct as the people of God were wandering through the wilderness. And in that tabernacle, in the inner court, you would find a lamp on one table. And on the other side, you would find a, a table with bread on it. And the lamp represented Jesus being the light of the world, and the bread represented Jesus being the bread of life. Hallelujah. So even when the people were wandering through the wilderness, uh, when they would erect the tabernacle, those were symbolisms or symbolic of the coming Christ. Hallelujah. And then last week we came along and we talked about the Holy Spirit, who's the third part of the Godhead. And one of the first things that I wanted to make sure that I uh, encourage you to do is remember that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead. The Holy Spirit is not an it. He's a he. Hallelujah. 
And we said that the Holy Spirit, we looked at towards that Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, and it said that the Spirit of God, amen, hovers above the water. When we talked about that word hover, meaning that he moved the water. And, and Deacon talked this morning, I want to touch on that real, real quickly. Uh, Deacon talked this morning about believing in the Big Bang Theory, but my theory on the Big Bang Theory, because I don't know, you know, we live in Port Arthur, and we live all around refineries. And whenever a refinery does a shutdown, they also, when the shutdown is finished, they also have to do what? Crank that thing back up. And I don't know if you ever heard it when they crank it back up. Well, see, that gives me symbolism of when God said, uh, let there be. That was the Big Bang Theory. Because what God did, and remember last week we talked about that solid ball of nickel in the core of the earth. And that uh, liquid, molten liquid. Of, of nickel and iron and a solid ball of nickel and iron. When God said, let there be, that's when the rotating of those things began. God did it. It wasn't a shutdown, but God started the earth up. Mm -hmm. Okay. Where do you think they get the idea about combustible engines from anyway? Mm -hmm. Okay. I don't want to go too, I don't want to go too deep because this is only my review. Amen. But we see that the Holy Spirit of God is the one that did the work when God said, let there be. It was the Holy Spirit of God that was hovering over the deep and over the water. Hallelujah. Amen. So the work that had to be done, the Holy Spirit did that thing. Amen. Amen. I don't have time to teach it, but it was the Holy Spirit brought <coughs> it all together. Amen. And, and, but I want to encourage the teachers that's in the room today, go read the notes on that. you really realize when the word, when it uses the word water, what it was really talking about was the earth, the earth's surface was that liquid of nickel and iron. That was full, but it was liquid, so, so, so it was comprehended as, as, as water because it was liquid. But with God, I, don't, I, I can't get into it. I, I got to keep going. I can't get into it. But please go do a study on the nickel and the uh, iron that, that's at the core of the earth, that the, uh, the molten liquid of uh, nickel and iron that, that surrounds that. Go do a study on that. Hallelujah. Amen. So we talked about the Holy Spirit as well. Uh, that in the Holy Spirit, uh, in Matthew chapter three sixteen, we went there. And it, it showed us that as Jesus stood in the water, it showed us the three entities of the Godhead when Jesus was baptized by John, who we know as John the Baptist, the baptizer. Amen. And, and as they were standing in the water, the Bible says as Jesus came up out of the water, and I did uh, uh, talk about for a minute, that's why we at this church believe in water submersion, that we believe in putting people under the water in baptism. And we use that scripture as our evidence that it's no longer the sprinkling that Moses did in the Old Testament. That it's now a water baptism. John's baptism was a submersion baptism where he would put people under the water. And the reason we believe that is because the Bible says in Matthew 3.16 that when Jesus came up out of the water. It says that the Spirit of God descended on him like a dove. And we talked about the simile that was used there like it was a comparative word. And God now is in heaven saying, God is speaking in heaven saying, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. The Holy Spirit is descending from heaven in the form of a dove, like a dove. And Jesus is standing in the water. So we see all three entities of the Godhead there. If you were having problems putting the entities of the Godhead together, this is a scripture that can help you out. There are many, many more, but this is one obvious scripture where it shows that God the Father spoke from heaven, God the Son is standing in the water, and God the Holy Spirit is descending like a dove. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so today I want to come and I want to talk about the fourth entity of the family of God, and somebody say, that's me. me. That's me. Come on, somebody say, that's me. That's me. The family of God. And the reason that I want to bring all of this together, because on the earth today, 
if you would allow people in your life to treat you like you a regular person, that's on you. Because you're not an average Joe just walking the street waiting to die. Amen. You are a child of God who has been promised, who has been promised eternal life. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So as we come today, I want us to talk about the fourth entity of the, of the family of God. I accepted him as my personal savior. I made him the Lord of my life. And there are some promises attached to that. And I don't wonder. I don't doubt about it. I'm not perfect at it yet. But I know in my heart of hearts that I am saved and that eternal life is mine. Hallelujah. Why are you saying that, preacher? How can you be so emphatic about it, preacher? It's because I know and I believe in the promise that God made that through his son, that anybody who would accept his son as their personal savior, who would believe in the blood of Jesus that is able to, to cleanse us and make us white as snow, who believes that the power of the Holy Spirit, the rule of our can lead us and guide us in all truth and righteousness, who believe that God allowed his son to be crucified on an old rugged cross. If you believe that Jesus went into a borrowed tomb for three days and three nights and he rose with all power, if you believe that he ascended and sitting at the right hand of God right now waiting to come back, honey, then you are saved. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And eternal life is yours. Amen. You can believe in as I heard one man say, you can take that to the bank. Hmm. Let's look at scripture today. I want the Bible to do this. I try my best not to be one of the preachers that read one verse and then tell you what I think about it. I try to let the Bible talk. Everybody all right with that? Amen. Amen. So the Bible says, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, let us know that. It was our scripture reading this morning. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Now remember, we're talking about the fourth entity of the family of God, and that is us. God is the first and primary entity of the family of God. It's his family. He made it. He made the rules for it. Amen. Jesus, God's only begotten son, is the second entity of the family of God. The Holy Spirit is the third uh, entity in the family of God, and God's children, which are which is us, we are the fourth entity of the family of God. There's nothing else after us. There is no fifth entity in the family of God. No, I'm wrong. Let me let me, let me rephrase that because I studied about that last night. Then there comes the angels, <coughs> and I want to use the scripture to show you why why I think that there are five entities in the family of God. Amen. That the Bible teaches. Amen. Amen. So in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, the Bible says, and God said, let, 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 let's read this together, y'all. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. Let's read this together. Ready? Read. And then God, God said, said, let us make human beings in our own image and like, like us. And they will reign over the fish in the sea, over the, fish the birds in the, the sky, and the livestock of the wild animals of the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. On the earth. Amen. So now I want you to understand that in uh, verse 26, God said it, but in verse 27, look at what it says. So, so God, God did. Created. <laughs> Amen. Ain't that good? Yeah. Now I want you to notice that in Genesis chapter 1 and, and chapter 2, that's how it works. God says it, and then it happens. Amen. Amen. Are you comfortable with that about your life? Mm. God says it, and then it happens. Mm. 
So whatever dream, whatever desire that God has placed in your heart, I want you to know that that thing is going to come to pass. Why? Because God said it. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 So in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, we see that now. We are an official member <coughs> of the family of God because God created us to so at this point, all of humanity, so we understand people, people's confusion, because at this point, it seems as though that all of the human beings is part of God's family. Amen. 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 And since it was Adam and Eve at that time, I would say that that's true. Hallelujah. They got this thing called a birthright. And, and, and if your daddy came, and you a boy, guess what you're going to be one day if you live long enough? King. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. So there's power in the bloodline. Amen. So in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, we are the family of God. Now let's go to Genesis chapter 10. Let's go to Genesis chapter 10. Because that's creation. Now I want you to understand something that a lot of people really uh, kind, of, kind of forget or read over. And that is uh, there's also in the Bible recreation. Well, let, let, let me put it this way. Let me put it this way. Regeneration. Let's put it that way. Regeneration. And the reason that I can't use recreation because we understand that the word create comes from the Hebrew word bara, which means taking nothing and nothing and making something. <coughs> but let's look at the words. When you understand what God told uh, Noah when they got off that boat, hallelujah. Amen. <coughs> he gave Noah. Let's look at Genesis chapter 9 real quick. Because I want you to see that he gave Noah. The same exact commands that he gave Adam. Because he's starting things over, amen? Ain't God good that he's good to give us another chance? Amen. Because amen. if you would read Genesis chapter 6 at the beginning on down, you would see that God was frustrated. The Bible even says that he was sorry that he made it. <coughs> but we come to this point. Let's look at Genesis chapter 9 verse 1. And the Bible says that God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Oh, oh, do what? Fill out earth. Do what? Fill the earth. Hold up. Who reading out of the NIV? <coughs> what yours say, Keith? Uh, God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, be fruitful and increase in numbers and fill the earth. And fill the earth. Amen. I heard you say another word. What yours say? Fill the earth. Fill, okay. What yours say, we read the King James, and I would say, you read the new King James. No, no, no. Elder, what you read, Elder? You know, okay, so you got killed. <coughs> you read the King James. Because I heard you say the word I say. I'm, I'm in the sea. Replenish. <coughs> Replenish. And see, this is, I, I, I'm glad that I did this because of what I want to show y'all and show the viewing audience is these new translations of the Bible make it easier for understanding, but they take liberties and they change the wording. Now, what is the difference from filling and replenish or refilling? There had already been something here to read. See, your NIV implies that he was doing it for the first time. 
But when you read the King James, which is closest to the original text, I, I want to make sure I continue to reiterate this. The King James Version of the Bible in America, the English Bible, it's the closest to the original text. It ain't perfect to the original text, but it's the closest out of all these other versions of the Bible we got. The NIV, the NLT, the NASB, the, uh, with, with the uh, New Standard Version, all those versions. The, and, and the reason that that is important is because you would misread something if you read the newer version of the Bible. But God says here that he wanted Noah and his sons to replenish the earth, meaning that it had been filled once. But now, since the flood is gone and God wiped out every living thing except Noah, his wife, and his three sons and their wives, he's now telling that family to replenish the earth, in other words, to do it again. Isn't God good that he gives us chance over and over and over? Amen. A shutdown and a restart. So let's go to Genesis chapter 10 real quick because I want to show you something about being in the family of God. Now, the Bible starts off in Genesis chapter 10 verse 1. He says, now these are the generations of the sons of Noah. Shem, Ham, and Haphat. Haphat. And unto them were sons born after the flood. But now, the only place that the Bible shows us that Yafat is the oldest is in verse 2. Because it lists, it lists his family first. But everywhere else in the Bible where you see the sons of God, it's listed as Shem, Ham, then Yafat. And you would get the implication because we know, we know a, Jewish, a Jewish writer's law. We, won't, we know one law about Jewish writing is that they list things in sequential order. Whenever you see a Jewish list, they don't have to put number one, such and such, number two, such and such, because the way that they list it implies what order that is in. So if you were just reading with the naked eye, you would really think that Shem was the oldest because he's always listed first. Whenever you read about uh, Noah's children, it always says Shem, Ham, and Yafat. But Yafat, was, uh, he, he was actually the oldest. But I read in commentary that the reason that it always says Shem, because we're going to find out in a minute that Shem is the bloodline that the Messiah comes through. And that's why he's always listed first, because he's the most important. So we see here now that God is replenishing the earth. So we are technically children of Adam and Eve, but more specifically, we are children of Noah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Because God wiped out everything except Noah, his wife, his three sons, and they wives. <coughs> everything else. So our lifeline now, come on, somebody say lifeline. Lifeline. Our lifeline now is predicated upon Shem. So let's go ahead and go uh, down to that 11th chapter. And in the 11th chapter, uh, uh, no, I think I want to stay in chapter 10. Oh, that 10, verse 10. Uh, Genesis chapter 11, verse 10. So he says, These are the generations of Shem who was born a hundred years, who was a hundred years old and begat. It starts to talk about his bloodline. But I want you to notice that once it begins to talk about Shem's bloodline, that's the bloodline that the Messiah came to. Because that's the bloodline that the whole Bible is talking about. The only times that you would read about Yafat, and, and, and if you would look at 
uh, his children, the only time you see your fat or his children, or harm or ham as we would call it, and his children, it's because the people of God, Shem's bloodline, was fighting against them. But if you were to take Shem's bloodline and come all the way down throughout the 42 generations to Jesus, you would find that Jesus came through the bloodline of Shem. You see, there's continuity in God in what I'm trying to show you here. So us being the family of God, the implication here is that we are Noah's bloodline. Uh -huh. Hallelujah. Because that's when God, remember the word that was in Genesis chapter 9 verse 1, and that's how God replenished the earth. Hallelujah. Ain't that good? Amen. Amen. Come on, let's go to Psalms chapter 8. You can't talk about being in the family of God and understanding what man is unless you go to Psalm chapter 8 and try to make some kind of sense out of it. So in Psalm chapter 8, hallelujah. Amen. Let's go ahead and we, we're going to go ahead and start right at verse 1. We're going to go ahead and start right at verse 1. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 8, O Lord, O Lord, and you notice one is all four caps and one is a capital L in lower letters. I'm going to let you study on that and find out why. How excellent is thy name in all the earth. Who has set thy glory, hallelujah, above him. Out of the mouths of babe and suckling hast thou ordained strength because of thy enemies. That thou might steal the enemy and the avenger. Verse 3 says, when I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which thou have ordained. Now I'm going to stop and kind of get your mind right on this. The psalmist is looking at everything that God has made. And how splendorous it is. The sun, the sun is so splendid is that they tell you don't look at it for too long with no glasses on. Hallelujah. This fiery ball that God made to govern. Look at how I mean, I'm going to talk about it this morning. Some people really can't gravitate to this thought, but you have to get deep in your quiet place to be able to think these deep thoughts about God. The earth is 75% water. 75 can overtake 25 any day of the week. What keeps that water at bay? Right of Hebrews says that it's by the power of his word that he holds all things in check. So the psalmist is saying, when I look at how wonderful all your creation is, come on, then in verse 4, look at the question he asks. What is man that you are mindful of him? Because Jeremiah told us in Jeremiah 17 and 9 that above all things, our hearts are wicked and evil. It's the young man. Son of man that thou shalt visit him. 
Watch this verse 5. Because you made him a little bit lower than now the word here in the King James, even in the King James, uh, ter terrible translation on the word because when you read the original text, the word that is here, amen, go ahead and say it loud, dear. Elohim. Amen. Is Elohim. Now, Elohim, when you look at the term, the definition of Elohim, Elohim is the God that gives life. <coughs> so let's go ahead and put this sentence in, in, in context now. <coughs> he says, you made him a little bit lower than God. And of course, he's talking about the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Let's make sure we put that in context, Elohim. And, and matter of fact, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you so much. Remember last week we talked about in Hebrew words, the, the, the letters at the end of a word, Y-I-M-E-M, means poor is like us, putting an S on the end of a word. So that word there is Elohim, which means all the, the Godhead. He says, you have made him a little bit lower than the Godhead, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. Now, and this is the reason that I say that we are the fourth entity in the, in the family of God, and angels are the fifth. Because you have never been dispatched to go help out an angel, but angels are always being dispatched to come help you. Mm. So in other words, angels work for us. We don't work for angels. Somebody should have said that. Amen. So he says here that you made man just a little bit lower than the, 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 the Godhead. And you have crowned his head with glory. You have made him to have dominion uh -oh, over the works of your hands. The angel's not in charge of the earth, y'all. We are. Amen. Thou hast put all things <coughs> under his feet. Amen. All sheep, all ox, yeah, the beast of the field, the fowl of the air, the fish of the sea, whatsoever pass through the paths of the sea. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. So God cares and loves man, humanity. Amen. We are the fourth entity in the God, in, in the family of God. Come on, somebody, that should give somebody power. That should encourage somebody today. You're not just a little whole being on the earth. You were not made to struggle and to suffer. You were not made to be in depression and despair. You were made a little bit lower than God. Meaning the same power that flows through the Godhead is the same power that you have. Amen. You come on, somebody say, I got the power. <laughs> I got the I power. Got power over disease. Yeah. I got Amen. Amen. I'm in the family of God. Amen. Let me tell you what happened one time. Hallelujah. This is when you know you're in the church now. We had just moved back to Port Arthur. We had been in the military for a long time. And we moved back to Port Arthur and uh, moved into the neighborhood. And, of course, the neighborhood had changed over those 12 years I was in the military. And when we moved back to the neighborhood, it was a little thuggish and ruggish. You know, we moved back in 92. Y'all remember them days in 92? Keeping that girl still friends today. 
I told that girl, I told that girl, listen, listen, I'm gonna give you a chance before you start something. I'm gonna give you a chance to go back home and bring some help, cause y'all ain't enough. <laughs> That's when you're the good family. In other words, when folk got your back. Amen. And God got your back. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. See, God is the Father. God will go outside and take up for you. Hallelujah. Amen. God, God will say, "Hold oh, on, watch this. This, 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 this." You would be getting ready to get into something, and God would come up to you like this and move you to the side and say, "Watch out, baby, I got this." Amen. That's what kind of daddy we serve, amen? amen. We serve an almighty and all powerful, all knowing, all omnipresent, all omniscient God who knows exactly what's best for us. And you got to understand you are a child in the family of God, and God is the daddy, and he ain't going to let nobody mess with his child, especially the devil. Amen. So in this eighth chapter of Psalms, we see that we are made just a little bit lower than the Godhead itself. Angels don't work. We don't work for angels. Angels work for us. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, let's go to first uh, Saint John. Let's go to Saint John. Amen. On the way to Saint John, I want to finish what Deacon started this morning because Deacon in his class this morning he did a wonderful job. It's all right if you give him a hand clap. Amen. Deacon did a wonderful job in his class this morning. But what he started to amaze you with were the facts about how God made the earth. I'm going to continue on because I'm going to give you some facts about how God made man. In the notes pertaining to Psalms, the 139th Psalm, this is what my notes say in that song that, in that song that says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. The note says that there is no question that man was made in the likeness and in God, in soul and spirit. But this does not do away with the bodily image and likeness of God as well in the, as listed in the above passages. All angels and spirits have bodies as well as so as well as souls and spirit. Even resurrected human bodies are called spiritual. And we know that because Paul said that in 1 Corinthians 15, 42 through 44. Yet they will also be material. Misunderstanding of this subject comes from not knowing what spirits are like. Now, this is how God made our body. Come on, somebody say, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm spiritually and wonder fearfully and wonderfully made. The Bible says that our bodies, every human body, of course, it varies a little bit. That's why they draw blood on us. But everything they draw blood on, I want you to know, if you look at what's called a CMP, a comprehensive metabolic panel, when you go to the doctor, you're going to find the same values on your blood test that we're going to read about right here. Iron. Sugar. We're made of sugar. Salt. We're made of salt. Carbon. Iodine. Phosphorus. Lime. Calcium. About 98 cents worth. <laughs> meaning, that's us all total. Yeah. The body has 263 bones, 600 muscles, 970 miles of blood vessels, 400 cups on the tongue for taste, 20,000 hairs in each ear to tune in on all the sounds, 40 pounds of jaw pressure, 10 million nerves and branches, 3,500 sweat tubes to each square inch of our skin, all 40 miles long, 20 million miles that suck food as it goes through the intestines, 600 million air sacs in our lungs called alveoli, 
2,400 gallons of air daily. We inhale 2,400 gallons of air daily. And the telephone system that relates to the brains instantly, any known sound, taste, sight, touch, and smell. The heart beats 4,200 times an hour and pumps 12 tons of blood through the body. I want you to know how good God is that he made us with all of this. I ain't going to take time to go over it again, but those are spectacular facts about how God constructed the body. And I want you to understand that God is so good that he constructed the American bodies that way. Yeah. If you live in Japan, your yeah. body made that way. If you're from Egypt, your body made that way. Even if you're an atheist, your body made that way. So you might not want to believe in God if you're an atheist or agnostic. But I want you to understand that everything <coughs> on your body, God made it. Hallelujah. Amen. And he let us know that he made it because it's consistent throughout all of humanity. Yeah, yeah, unless yeah. we have birth defects. Yeah. Amen. God did that. God did. And that is him and his consistency. Hallelujah. Amen. And God, all right. Yeah. Look Amen. at what he can do. Amen. Tucked in this little five-foot-eight body. Some say five-seven, I say five-eight. Tucked in this little body. I got all of this. I got miles of blood vessels, hallelujah. I got millions of sacs around my lungs to make sure that my breathing is right. That's what coronavirus is trying to take out. Those twin, I'm gonna move on, hallelujah. I ain't even got time to go into it. How the devil, hallelujah. Amen. Trying to take my breath away. Come on, let's go to St. John. Y'all all right? Amen. Hallelujah. St. John, right at chapter one. It pontificates so well, I have to read it from verse 1. I don't want to skip over none of this because it sounds real good. Hallelujah. In St. John chapter 1, verse 1, the Bible says that in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him, was anything made that was made. In other words, Jesus made it all. Hallelujah. In him was what? Life. Life. And then see, but, but verse 3 is why I told you that God speaks it and Jesus does it. That's my evidence. Mm -hmm. God the Father says it. And she, watch this. Let's read verse 3 again. All things were made by him. He's not talking about God the Father. And without him was not anything made that was made. In other words, Jesus made it all. Now this is how I know it's not talking about the God Father. Look at verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shined in a dark place, but darkness comprehended it not. So don't listen. Don't get mad when unsaved folk don't want to listen to you. Remember last week we read where Paul wrote that these things are spiritually discerned, and they are foolishness to the people that don't have the spirit of God? Right. So listen to me carefully. Stop getting mad at folk that ain't got the spirit of God. They can't understand what you're saying. Amen. The disciples asked Jesus one time, they said, uh, why do you talk to us in parables? Jesus said, because this ain't for everybody to know. This is for you to know. Those who have the Holy Spirit of God. Those who have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Hallelujah. So the secrets and the promises that God is revealing to us, this ain't for everybody to know. So when you go trying to tell them about it, if they don't want to hear it, what the Bible say for you to do? 
Kick the feet, that's how you feed them. You sing the dust off your feet and keep on going. But let me encourage you with this. Just because they didn't want to hear today don't mean they might not want to hear tomorrow. Hallelujah. Because everybody got a day where they're going to say, say yes Amen. to Jesus. Amen. Amen. Either they, either they got a day where they're going to say yes to Jesus or they're going to die unsaved and, and, and bust here wide open. Verse 5. And the light that shined in the dark. Okay, the come down there. Verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of that light. And who did John bear witness was coming later. So Jesus is the light. Make sure you understand when you go read up in verse uh, 5. That all men through him might what? He was not the light. John was not the light. But he was sent to bear witness of the light. And the light was his cousin Jesus. Verse 9 says, that was the true light which light every man that comes into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him. And the world knew him not. And he came unto his own, uh-oh, uh-oh, and his own received him not. It's talking about the Jews. But it's all in God's plan, amen? Amen. Don't get all hateful and hypocritical and judgmental on the Jews. It's all part of God's plan. And if you go read Romans chapter 11, you'll understand about being grafted in. Amen. 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 It says that Israel was broken off for a while only until a full number of Gentiles came in. Amen. Amen. That's why I keep telling everybody, you can't just take one verse of the Bible. You got to know how to put this thing together from every book and every chapter and every verse. You got to know how to make it make sense with another. That's what I teach the teachers here at Saturday. If you want to be a teacher, you got to know how to make a, a verse in the Old Testament make sense with a verse in the New Testament. Amen. Amen. The Bible contradicts itself. No, it don't. You just don't know how to put it together. But this is what I read all that to get to this. Verse 12. Everybody ready? Let's read it together. Verse 12. Ready? Read. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become, uh-oh, the sons of God. That NIV say what? The children of God. You see, so right away there's a distinction there. Even to them that did what? Believed on what? His name. Verse 13. Which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of what? God. So you see now, there's a difference between those that God created, because God created everything, all of humanity. But you don't become, you, you become a child of God, you get into the family of God by saying yes to Jesus. Amen. Now, now, now you, you, you're a creation of God. You breathe in his air, hallelujah. You walking on this earth, you doing everything you got to do, but you are only a creation of God. Now, some people might be satisfied with that, but I wasn't satisfied with that. Hallelujah. I, I, I know now that there was a deep down burden inside of me to be a child of God, to be in the family of God. I wanted to be accepted. How many of you know that's why gang membership is so high? Mm. Gang membership is so high because we got a little, lot of little boys out there that just want to be accepted by somebody. Amen. And I just want to be accepted. Hallelujah. So I got out of the largest gang in America and I joined the largest gang in the world. Hallelujah. I got out of the United States Army and I joined the Church of God in Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. 
Verse 14 says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We understand that it's talking about Jesus. So I'm in the family of God. Amen. And the way you get to the family of God, verse 12 in John 1 tells us that you first of all have to believe on his name. Accept it. And for everybody that believes on his name, <coughs> he said that he gave us the power. Come on, there go our word again. Didymus. Okay. He gave us the power to become what? Children of God. God. Ain't that all right? Yes, it is. Hallelujah. Amen. It's all right to clap your hands. Amen. 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 Supplied us with a woman to love and to love us back. Put a womb in her body so she might have children and we would have a family. Ain't God all right? Hallelujah. Yeah. Gave us four seasons. Amen. Some of that things, uh, I'm sorry, a fall uh, in the autumn where things may die off. Hallelujah. And then the winter comes and again, winter is time for the earth to rest. Then spring comes and everything springs forth in the newness of life. Then summer comes and we get to go out and enjoy it all. Why did he do it? He did it all for me. Hallelujah. Amen. God did everything that is on this earth with me in mind. When he created water, he had me in mind. Because yeah. we cannot live three days without water. When he put the fruit trees on this earth, he had me in mind. Because he knows that I need to eat every day of my life. Hallelujah. Yeah. God made clothes for me when I couldn't make them good for myself. Amen. God did it with me in mind. Don't that make you feel good today that what God did, he did it with you in mind? You ain't no mistake, honey. Don't let nobody tell you you a mistake. Your mom and dad might think you a mistake, <laughs> but you ain't no mistake. You was planned in heaven. Your name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life before your mom and daddy even knew each other. Hallelujah. God knew that you were going to be on this earth. God knew that you was going to say yes to Jesus. Why? Because the prophet Isaiah says that God knows the end from the beginning. Hallelujah. And we need to sit ourselves down and have faith and confidence in the plan and the will of God. But what you got to do is get yourself in the will of God. Amen. And being in the will of God ain't easy on this earth we living in. Hallelujah. The world is showing you things on social media. The world is showing you things on TV. And they're showing it to you so much that your brain begins to accept it. Hallelujah. Yeah, and yeah. once your brain begins to accept it, it becomes right and natural to you. These children can't imagine putting their finger in a hole and dialing a phone and waiting for it to go back. How many times you forgot somebody number trying to dial themselves numbers? Nine, seven. By the time you get to the third number, you forgot the number and got to hang up and start all over again. How about right now you riding down the street, you get a phone call and you pick up your cell phone and you just talking all. We had to wait till we get home honey, to find out to get a call. Amen. How many of you understand that we had to wait to answer the phone to find out who was on the other end? There was no such thing as call ID. Amen. God did all of that with us in mind. I love what Pastor Troy has said. He loved us with all the evidence. God got all the evidence that I ain't no good. He know me. God know me better than I know myself. That's why I don't try to hide nothing from people. Because you can't do me nothing, honey. I ain't trying to hide nothing from God. Because God is the one who got life and death in the palm of his hand. I 
I'm scared of what no man can do to me. Hallelujah. Yeah. So I ain't got to lie to you about what I do. You can't do nothing to me. God bless me where I work for myself. I got my own business. Amen. So can't nobody fire me because I talk about abortion. Can't nobody come and pick it nothing that I got, try to hold my money back. You know the only people that make apologize on social media is rich people? People who ain't got nothing, you can't make us apologize. What you gonna take? Hallelujah. We already got a small church. You can't, you can't uh, uh, threaten me with what we gonna leave your church. You can't threaten me with that. So I'm gonna stand up here and I'm gonna say what God got for me to say. Hallelujah. Throughout this pandemic, God has shown himself to be faithful to me. Amen. When we first started Sabbath Rest, I used to worry every time I counted. Ooh, we gonna have enough to pay the bills. We gonna have enough to do this. We gonna have. I've been stopped that word. God showed me a long time ago. You gonna, we ain't never had to cut nothing off around here. Amen. We ain't never had to scale back. Hallelujah. During this pandemic, money has been coming more abundantly than it was before the pandemic. Hallelujah. Come on, let's close this thing out. Let me go and finish before one o'clock. Come on, let's go to second. Let's go to first Peter chapter two. Let me finish this thing. I'm excited today. Amen. Amen. God is doing something. I'm in the family of God. Amen. I'm a child of God. I'm just not on earth because God created the earth. Amen. I, I'm here because I got a purpose. I'm here because I got I have something that God, there's something that God has for me to do. And I want to be able to accomplish my mission. I'm like Jesus. I want to do the will of the one who sent me. I want to do the works of the one who sent me. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, let's go. Second, uh, first Peter chapter 2. We're going to start right at verse 1 and go through the whole thing. Y'all ready? Amen. Amen. The Bible says, Wherefore, lay aside all malice and all guile and all hypocrisies and envies and evil speaking, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If so, be ye have tasted that the Lord is good, is gracious to whom coming. As unto a living stone, disallowed indeed by men, but chosen by God as precious. Listen to me, children. Listen to me real quick, children. Listen to me real quick. Now, now let's let's read this again. I want to make sure y'all was y'all was back there reading with me. Watch this. Verse 4. Let's read verse 4 together. Y'all ready? To whom coming Christ. as Christ. unto Christ. a living stone, Christ. disallowed Christ. by men, but chosen by people, God and precious. Don't you worry about what people say about you. Listen to me. I want you to get out of that habit right now. Amen. What people say about you. You understand me? Amen. You don't care. Listen to me. People will say stuff wrong with you and they got the same thing wrong with them. People will tell you, if I was you, I'd do such and such. They get in that same position next week and they don't do nothing what they told you to do. Stop worrying about what people say. Hallelujah. Amen. Let them say it. You ain't got to argue with them about it. Listen. Live by this right here. If what they're saying is true and you don't like it, try to change it. But if what they're saying is not true, 